This is Marcus de Costa, pastor of House of Israel London, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this teaching edifies you, challenges, and inspires you to walk the best walk you can with Messiah Yeshua. May you be richly blessed by this message. The foundation piece in understanding the kingdom economy is that Jehovah does not ask you to sacrifice something that he has not already supplied. We see and we've looked at this when we looked at the kingdom economy, when we consider Deuteronomy 8.18, but thou shalt remember Jehovah thy Elohim, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And with this wealth, it's talking about strength, might, efficiency, wealth, armies, riches, and substance. That he may establish his covenant that he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. So what we can see here is that father is the one that gives you the ability to get wealth. He gives you the ability to get riches, to get substance, to grow in population. So when it comes down to giving of those burnt offerings, as we looked at on the the first day of every new month, the first day of the seventh month, on the Sabbath and so on, he is the one that gave you those things in the very first place. Jehovah gives you the power to get wealth. So all of the things you need in order for you to keep the covenant, which he initiated with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he provides. So the wealth that he gives you in its various forms is so he can keep the covenant. So you have the capability, the power to keep the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. John 3.27, in John 3.27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. We are to give thanks in all things because whatever we have comes from heaven. The Bible lets us know when we look in Galatians that Jehovah is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. That's one of the promises that father made all the way in Genesis. There will always be a seed time and a harvest time. So if you are sowing to the flesh, you need to expect you will receive of the flesh. If you are sowing of the spirit, expect the things pertaining to the spirit. But whatever you have comes from above. Get, uh, Genesis 22 verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, 
and get thee into the Mount Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which Elohim had told him. See, one of the things about Abraham, which is why the father gave unto Abraham the promises and the covenant is because there was no delay. He heard the words and the Bible says he rose up early in the morning. And it gives me reason to believe that the morning he rose up early in was the next one. Wasn't a week, wasn't a month. It was the next one. And from that word, he rose up early in the morning without delay and took him, his son, to go and accomplish what he needed to accomplish. This is the faith of the man. The man is told that in his seed, all nations will be blessed. He is told to allow Ishmael and Hagar to depart because Isaac is where the covenant will be, will be going through. So he, according to the, the New Testament writings, is prepared to sacrifice his son because his faith is in the fact that even if his son is sacrificed for a burnt offering, his father in heaven, who gave him the son in the first place, is able to raise that son from the dead. Amen. That's some kind of faith. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, when we look at um, Leviticus chapter 1, it speaks about what the burnt offering is for in the Levitical order. It speaks about the burnt offering being for an atonement. Here, Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. And it just so happens that God did provide the lamb. Father, when he's asking for you to worship him in sacrifice, he doesn't ask you to give something which he hasn't supplied because everything which you have is already his. So this really, sacrifice, worship, is an act of faith. It's an act of what you believe. 
It isn't the fact that there was the rich Pharisees that had all of this stuff and were casting in their, their stuff into the treasuries. It was the fact that there was this woman who cast in her two mites and she cast in more than they. Everything that Jehovah commands his people to give unto him, tithes, offerings, first fruit, buoyant offerings, sin offerings, he supplies first. He gives you the ability to get wealth because the blessings of Jehovah maketh rich. Proverbs 10.22 The blessings of Jehovah, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Now I know this is a teaching about atonement, and this is a teaching about Yom Kippur. But we're going to get to Yom Kippur um, in terms of what I'm speaking about here very shortly. In the event that you don't have the thing which is necessary in order for you to keep the covenant, then Father is able to supply all of your needs. In that situation, Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. What he was saying to the child is he was kind of letting the child know that there's a sacrifice going on here. There's a worship going on here and the lamb or the, the, the thing which has been sacrificed or will be sacrificed, father has already supplied. And then we find a ram in the, the thickets. But essentially, if you don't have that thing that you need to honor him, he will provide it for you. And we see this beginning when it comes to the ministry of Yeshua in John chapter 11. See, one of the things we need to appreciate when we get to the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, is that Father had a plan for the entire world. He had an agenda for all of mankind. So he gave the oracles to Israel. He gave the oracles to Israel, and they were to be a light unto the Gentiles. But now imagine... If the agenda is to bring all of the world to the knowledge of truth and yet they still have to, for an atonement, give burnt offerings for the remission of their sins or the atonement of their sins, they have to all come up and give sacrifices for sin. See, Father is in the business of providing you the things that you need first in order for you to give those things back to him as an act of obedience. Yeshua steps on the scene and that is Father's way of giving the world a lamb. John eleven forty five. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary... And had seen the things which Jesus did. Yeshua did, believed on him. 
but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Yeshua had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we, for this man doeth many miracles? If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider it expedient for us that one man should die for the people. The people here is the people of Israel. And, and that the whole nation should perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. There is a doctrine which is going forth that Yeshua died and died alone for the sheep of Israel. If you've been in the, the, the Messianic, you've been in the Hebrew roots, you'll come across this notion that there is a Jesus and he came to die for Israel. That no, of, no one who is not of Israel can receive Yeshua as Messiah and receive of his atonement sacrifice. But what is being described here is that this individual called Caiaphas, who was the high priest, he prophesied. He prophesied and that Yeshua would perish. He would be slain for that nation. So the nation doesn't perish. He was revealed some things about what Yeshua would accomplish. But John who wrote the, uh, uh, the gospel here, he adds something which is essential for our understanding, not that nation alone, but for those who are the children of God who are scattered abroad. This is the same John that says, as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. In John chapter 1. So Yeshua here is dying as a sacrifice for as many as receive him. And we're going to see um, that more clearly as we continue on in the teaching. Israel was given a law. This law, if kept, blessings would be poured out unto them. Jehovah giving them the ability to get wealth, riches, increase in population and the resources needed to sustain them. They were given what they needed to keep the covenant. It's just a matter of faith as to whether they would use it for that purpose. So as part of the covenant, sacrifices were necessary for atonement. For the individual, for the priest the tabernacle and the nation. Now, Father is saying 
It's me who gives you the ability to get wealth. As part of that wealth, I'm going to give you the things that you need so you can inherit the land. You'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. You won't, you're the, the, you won't be barren. There will be no barrenness in your land, not just in, in your, you as a people, but as your cattle also. And of those things Father has given the people, he's saying to the people, this is what I require of you. I require burnt offerings for an atonement. Now there is a day of atonement, which is an atonement as a people, the people of Israel. That's a corporate day of an atonement. On that day of atonement, there would be an atonement for the people. There would be an atonement for the priest, for his family, for the tabernacle, for the altar, and so on. And Father would be the one who provides them and gives them the means to do those sacrifices. If this order was still in institution, would we physically be able to do that today? I don't have any lambs. I don't have any goats. I've got chickens. I don't have pigeons. It says if you don't have a goat, if you don't have a lamb, bring the, chick bring the, um, the fowls, the pigeon. Has anyone ever tried to catch a pigeon? So, it, so this thing has gone away to bring forth something which is new. But if that which had gone away was still in operation today, would it actually be possible? Would there be enough lambs, goats, bulls, pigeons in the earth and space for the whole world to come into this system? I don't believe there would. So Father, in his wisdom, he provides the world with a lamb. Jehovah's desire was for the world to be atoned for. For the world to receive remissions of sins. Not by the blood of bulls, goats and lambs, but by the blood of the Lamb of God. This is what John the, uh, John the Baptist, the prophet, says in, we find this in John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day, John seeth Yeshua coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Not just Israelites. Not just Hebrews, not just black, not just white, the world. As many as receive him, as many as believe. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven 
like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bore record that this is the Son of God. The next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking up upon Yeshua as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. So Jehovah provides himself a lamb. There isn't things that Jehovah requires of you which he doesn't give you in the very first place. He is the one that gives you the, the power, the ability to get wealth. And in that getting of wealth, he establishes the covenant. But as a part of you getting those things which enable him to establish the covenant, he asks you to give back. In this scenario, when we transition to a, the mediator of a better covenant, he provides the people a lamb. But it, the lamb is for those as many as receive that lamb. As many as use that lamb for that purpose. He was unblemished. He was without sin. There was no guile found in him. And by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. So when we're looking at atonement, it becomes abundantly clear that we can't literally do the things which came before. That's impossible. All we have is the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. Because there ain't enough bulls, there ain't enough goats, there is no temple, there is no priest, there is no Levitical order. Jehovah provided an unblemished lamb for those who could not provide a lamb for themselves. Every sin needed to be atoned for individually. In addition, as a nation, Israel were atoned for once a year by the high priest. Imagine the number of bulls, goats and sheep needed to atone for the world. Now when we read Leviticus 5, it gives you an indication. So this is when you need your Bible um, because it's quite small on the screen. So open up your Bible if you have one to Leviticus chapter 5. Verse 1, and if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he have seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a car carcass of unclean cattle or the carcass of unclean creeping things, or if it be hidden from him, he shall also be unclean and guilty or if he touched the unclean man the uncleanness of of man whatsoever uncleanness it be that a man shall be decide withal and if it be hid from him when he knoweth of it he shall be guilty 
Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty, if, no, if guilty in one of these. And it shall be, when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord in the sin which he hath sinned. A female of the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats, for a sin offering and, for, and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. So this is talking about sin which needed to be, in a, needed to be atoned for. All of those things needed to be atoned for. And if he be not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he hath committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, unto the Lord for one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering. And he shall bring them unto the priest, who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first, and wring off his head from his neck, but shall not divide it asunder. And he shall sprinkle of the blood, of the sin offering upon the side of the altar and the rest of the blood shall be wrung out at the bottom of the altar it is a sin offering so you can imagine living in the world that we live in today if this system if this order continued up until now how often you yourself me would have had to go up to the temple now they're trying to bring this thing back they're trying to construct another temple in Jerusalem to bring back this order and you can only imagine the amount of traveling some people will have to do up to Jerusalem down from Jerusalem to give your pigeon, to give your turtle dove, to give your lamb, to give your, do your goats for a sin offering, for an atonement. But Jehovah, he provided a lamb, a lamb which takes away the sins of the world. And that lamb is Yeshua. Amen. And it just so happened that all of the construction, the building, and the system was destroyed because of the people's disobedience. Yeshua said all of the blood from righteous Abel unto Zechariah will be called upon that generation. And lo and behold, the people were scattered and the temple was sacked. So Jehovah provided himself a lamb. Because they reject Yeshua, the Lamb of God, Jews who practice Judaism will never facilitate the completion of the covenant where the whole world will be blessed by Abraham's seed, Yeshua via the outpouring of the Spirit because of the remission of sins. So the completion of the covenant, according to what we see Father saying and revealing to Abraham, is that all nations shall be blessed by his seed, that his seed shall inherit the land now if we look and consider the system 
that we see proponents of Judaism trying to resurrect, it makes it impossible for that to be completed. Because the Bible lets us know when we look at the scriptures that we can look here, Romans chapter 4 verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord, Jehovah, will not impute sin. So part of the blessing which goes out unto all the earth is the forgiveness of sin. In Psalm 103, we see, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And part of those benefits is the forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness and the washing away of iniquities. So religion can't facilitate the covenant. It is only by Yeshua can that blessedness be poured out upon the people. Because if it's not possible for the world to receive remission of sin through the system of religion, if it's not possible, then how can that be the religion of the Most High, the way of the Most High? It's only by Yeshua. The world could not contain enough bulls, lambs and goats to atone in accordance to the old covenant. But Father provided a lamb without blemish to take away the sins of the world. In Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16 is a chapter in the Bible which describes and speaks about um, the Day of Atonement. So when it comes down to understanding what atonement is and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, that's your, 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 your go-to um, passage in the Bible. But verse 1, And Jehovah spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in a cloud upon the mercy seat. What provokes this conversation between Moses, Aaron, and the Almighty? is the fact that Aaron's sons died. They died, they perished. So as a result, Moses needs to go and instruct Aaron that he doesn't come up into father's presence any kind of way, like his sons. What you'll find is that atonement is about removing sin for that year, covering your sin for that year, that's atonement. But what we also discover 
is that atonement is all about also getting into the presence and coming right when you're in his midst. You cannot go into the presence of the Most High any way you like. The Bible describes him as being holy. So we are to be holy. The Bible says he is perfect, so we are to be perfect. So there is some instruction that Father wants to give to his people in this particular passage. So there are certain times when they can come in his presence and not die and not perish like Aaron's two boys. As part of the old covenant Father made with Israel, the priests were required to be consecrated for the work of ministry in the Father's presence. To get in Father's presence, there needs to be consecration. That's what atonement is for. Consecration, separation, holiness comes when you are clean, when your sins have been remitted, removed. The Bible d describes that we can enter through Yeshua Messiah into the throne room of grace the veil between us and the father has been removed so we can go boldly into his presence prior to Yeshua the Messiah the land slain from the foundation of the world the lamb father gave for mankind all of mankind the high priest could only go into father's presence but once a year and he had to hear the instructions as to how to go into his presence once a year because if he wasn't obedient, he would drop down dead like Aaron's two boys. They needed to be atoned for in order for them to enter in. Atonement, remission is a doorway to dwell in the midst of the Most High. Without dealing with sin, there can be no way into his presence. He is holy, so we are to be holy. He is the Holy One, he is pure, he is righteous. So when we are trying to get into his presence, that's the way we need to be ourselves. The Bible describes people who approach the Father or touch his Ark of the Covenant when they're not supposed to touch or get in his presence a certain way and they drop down dead, they perish. See, Father is a Father of order. He is a Elohim of laws. He is good and his mercy endures forever, but there is a structure and that structure is in place because he wants you to live. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. He doesn't want to break out upon you and the people. So he gives you commandments to get into his presence. Leviticus 8 verse 33. And you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days until the days of your consecration be at an end.
for seven days shall you consecrate you. This is talking about the role of the priest. The role of the priest and what the priest has to go through in order for the priest to minister in his presence. There needs to be a period of consecration for seven days. When you get to Deuteronomy 18, what Father says to Moses to tell the children of Israel is that the nations surrounding Israel, they go up to necromancers, they go up to witches and all kinds of people to get themselves in the spirit realm. But for Israel it's not so. For Israel, he is going to send a prophet like unto Moses. He's going to send a prophet like Moses from the midst of the brethren Israel and unto him they were to Shema. The roundabout nations, they get into the spirit realm any kind of way. Israel's not to do that. So when Messiah came, in accordance to the passage, let me just read it, instead of me paraphrasing, let me read it. What passage is it? I'm finding it here. It's Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When thou art come into the land which Jehovah thy Elohim giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found, any, not found among you any one that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consultor with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are an abomination unto Jehovah. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observer of times, and unto diviners. As for thee, the Lord thy God have not suffered thee to do so. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. This is according to Acts chapter 3, speaking about Yeshua. Where to hearken Yeshua? The nations observed, the, uh, uh, listened to the observer of times, the diviner, the enchanter, the witch. So when it comes down to getting into Father's presence, there is a formula, there is a way, and that way is the way, truth, and life, Yeshua the Messiah. But this is what it speaks about here in terms of consecration. Verse um, Leviticus 8, verse 35. Therefore shall ye abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night seven days, and keep the charge of Jehovah that ye die not, for so I am commanded. 
So Aaron and his sons did all things which Jehovah commanded by the hand of Moses. And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before Jehovah. So as part of this consecration process, so they can get into Father's presence and do the work of ministry in the tabernacle or in the temple, there needs to be consecration and consecration includes sacrifice. When we go down to verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of Jehovah appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before Jehovah and consumed up the altar and the burnt offerings and fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. So you can try and get in the spirit realm. This is something um, me and my wife was talking about today. We was having this discussion today. Um, and one of the things which I've, I've seen recently is this notion that life and reality is a simulation. There are some of these um, scientists, atheists, academics and so on who want to purport that this life that we live is a simulation is based upon this idea that which comes from the enlightenment period uh, an, uh, an academic called uh, a sociologist academic called Descartes who essentially said I think therefore I am and it's, it's saying that what you see and what you touch what you taste what you smell it's all mental and if these things are mental what you see is in your mind what you hear is in your mind and all of these things um, we perceive in our mind, then why can't we be living in a simulation? And this is what the, the proponents are saying. Um, my wife was commenting, and I was, uh, I was essentially saying that all of these people have uh, spent all of these years rejecting the notion of God, have turned around and just changed the words from God to a programmer of a simulation. So they would rather believe that there is an alien who comes down and plants a cell and seeds life and goes back. Or they would rather believe that there is an individual, a mighty individual who has, who's on a, a very powerful laptop who has created this program and we're all plugged into the matrix. It's just essentially rewording the notion of there being a creator and just putting it into these terms which we're familiar with in this day and age. But the conversation then went down the road with regards to many of the religions of the earth hold on to very similar premises. And my, my, my discussion was speaking about um, creation and man dwelling together in the land of China and then com being confounded in terms of their speech and going their, their different ways. But there is a similarity. Within all people, there is this desire to be connected with this thing which is outside of the physical senses. We can see 
in certain frequencies, we can hear in certain frequencies, but we can't see beyond. So within all of these cultures, with all of these religions, there are th this idea that there is a life beyond the life that we can see. Now Father says, that's not how you are to get into that realm. That's not how you are to know what shall come to pass. That's not how you're supposed to get into the spirit realm. Yeshua is the one who will come and show you how to live and walk a spiritual life. Let's get back to atonement. The incident that sparks the command regarding atonement is the death of Aaron's sons. In Leviticus 10, and Nahab, Nabad, and Abihu, the sons of Aaron took either of them their, his incensor and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before Jehovah, which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So when we go back to atonement, there is a need for our sins to be remitted, our sins to be atoned for. What sparked that conversation is the fact that these boys came up and tried to invoke Father to be in the midst, like in the previous verse we just read. They wanted to burn the incense. They wanted the glory to fall and for the people to shout and yell and fall upon their faces. But lo and behold, Father struck them down. Because you can't come into Father's presence any kind of way. This is atonement. This is the reason why our sins are to be remitted. We are to be made pure and holy because when we get to the end of the book, the Bible lets us know that he desires to tabernacle with his people forever and ever. But if Father is holy, if Yeshua is holy, he desires to tabernacle with a holy people. Now there are some, if we're all honest, we can say that there are some people you, you don't want to hang around with. There have been times where there are some people who are in the body of Messiah who I love and I have to train myself to love that person but I, can't, I, I cannot dwell in the midst of that person because they, they put the defibrillator on the old man and bring the old man back to life. So I have to remove myself from the presence of that individual. It's the same with the father. This is why his eyes go to and fro throughout the earth 
to see whose heart is right before him because when it comes down to spending forever with people you want to ensure you're spending forever with the right people because you're going to be one they didn't come right before the father and died they wasn't consecrated ordained or kept the ordinances for the work to get in father's presence Yeshua not only died for us for the remission of sins but also gave us access to the father's throne room of grace Hebrews chapter 9. We have an advocate in the heavenly who prays for us, who speaks on our behalf, who has given us access to the Father so that we may come boldly into his presence this is why he is described in the book of hebrews as the mediator of a better covenant you would have to come up every time you heard or you swore yourself you you broke an oath you would have to come up that's what you would have to do and that's something if yeshua didn't come we would have to do if we would have any hope at all but because he came and died for us once and for all there is therefore no more sacrifice for sin no more sacrifice for sin so on this day when there are people as part of the, the religion of the jews trying to atone for their sins through the blood of chickens waving the chicken around their, their head that is the only hope that they have that's a hope of desperation they know what the bible says about sin they know what the bible says about violation of the law so we need to now manufacture a way for us to be able to deal with our sin yeshua came and gave us that option because he was the lamb of god Now when these things were thus ordained this is Hebrews 9 verse 6 the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God but in the second went the high priest alone once every year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people this is talking about that Leviticus um, 16 atonement the holy spirit this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing essentially 
In the Bible, we see that the pattern and the, the design of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness was something Father showed Moses in the mount. He describes seeing the pattern. The law is a shadow in terms of the tabernacle of what is in operation to this day in the heavenly realm. There is a temple in the heavenly which Yeshua is officiating in and has officiated in as a priest after the order of Melech Zadik. So when the priest, the high priest, would go into the holy place beyond the veil once a year, the writer of the Hebrews is saying that it is signifying, it is showing you something which shall come, which shall be greater. This is why when we come into the messianic and the Hebrew roots or whatever you want to call yourself, you cannot forget that Yeshua is the Messiah, he is the law, he is the Psalms, he is the prophets. We can be focused on Torah, Torah so much that we forget that Yeshua is the Torah. And by virtue of following Messiah, you accomplish that which is in the Torah because he didn't come to destroy, he came to fulfill. Amen. which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscious, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Messiah, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, the high priest would go into that holy place once a year, accomplish the service he needed to accomplish, and would have to leave. Because that is how he was allowed to go into that space with the Almighty. Yeshua is operating on a different level. The Bible describes, as you see... Um, Stephen sees Yeshua on the right hand of the Father as he is being uh, martyred. Yeshua went into that temple and took a seat next to the Father on his right hand. This is a greater covenant that we're talking about here. It's greater 
for us because now we don't have to wait once a year or wait for us to go up to Jerusalem for us to be remitted of the things that we have done. When we receive him and are baptized in his name, the old man is dead. The new man who now lives in Messiah is alive. What's more, Yeshua baptizes his disciples with the Holy Spirit, which causes them to not violate the law, the commandments, statutes and judgments in the first place. How much more shall the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where the testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after, a man, after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all where the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the New Test of the Testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things by are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. See, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be his name. The Bible describes that he desired to dwell in the midst of the people and David wanted to build him a house. But what house could you build to contain him? And yet Solomon, his son, built a temple and that's where he dwelt. When we get to Ezekiel, um, chapters 8, 9, 10 and so on we find that because of the abominations of the people the glory of the father lifted up from the temple lifted it left then we see about this this promise this promise of father putting his spirit in the hearts of the people I'll read it can only paraphrase for too long before you have to start showing this stuff in the Bible. 
Okay. Ezekiel 11. So again, Ezekiel 8 speaks about the abominations which is going on in the temple. Ezekiel 9 is Father dealing with the people who commit these abominations, sending forth the angels to put a seal on the people who have committed these abominations. We find that in Ezekiel 10 verse 18, then the glory of Jehovah departed from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. So Father is departing, he is, he is fleeing the place. And then Ezekiel 11, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take away the stony heart out of their flesh and I will give them and heart of flesh that they this is verse 19 that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances this is chapter 11 of Ezekiel verse 20 now that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God so father left the building and now he's dwelling in the heart of the people. Yeshua comes and is the one who will send forth the promise of the Spirit. For then, verse 25, I believe, in Hebrews. Now yet that we should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Atonement is about atoning for sins and about getting into the presence of the Most High. It's about being holy, for he is holy, so we can have relationship with him. Previously, the priests would offer the blood of lambs, bulls and goats and would do this once a year to, to atone for the sins of Israel corporately. As an individual, for, as we looked in, in Leviticus, there would be various reasons why you would have to atone for the sins you've committed. Yeshua did this once and he did it once and for all. So whoever looks to him as the Lamb of God can have their sins remitted because of baptism and can get into his presence and be filled with the Spirit through the baptism of the Spirit which was promised. Amen. He desires to be near unto us, but he is holy. 
So we are commanded to be holy and to cleanse ourselves from our filthy garments by the blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1.16 But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16 Father through Messiah provided a lamb that the world can accept as a sacrifice for their sins. Yeshua is the lamb of God which take away the sins of the world. Jehovah's people have a way into his presence. They can be reconciled back to him through the blood of the unblemished lamb. And we're finishing up very soon. We've just got uh, another slide or two before we conclude. Leviticus 23, verse 26. And Jehovah spake unto Moses, verse 26 of Leviticus 23, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, a gathering, a reading, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the, unto the Lord. Afflict speaks about, if we cross-reference it with other passages in the Bible, you can interpret afflict as you shall fast. Some may consider it doesn't necessarily command you to fast it could be just afflicting um, talking about your sins and uh, going over what you've done in your life but most people interpret this because of the cross-reference in Isaiah to fasting and offer an offering made by fire again a burnt offering for uh, atonement and you shall do no work in the same day for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before Jehovah your Elohim. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that day, he shall be cut off from among his people. So if we're talking about afflicting your soul, this is a good day to remember. If Yeshua is our atonement, and is the remitter of our sins through his blood, this is a good day to remember what he has done for you. How he has paid a price on your behalf, even at a time when you were not even worthy. See, it's easy for a man to die for a righteous man. But for a sinner, for an unrighteous man, for someone who would beat him and buffet him and spit on him and pull his beard. And Yeshua says to the father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's something to remember. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, 
the same soul will I destroy from among his people. The wages of sin is death. If you on the day of atonement are not in that place where you are being atoned for, it stands to reason that you are going to retain those sins which brings death. So Father, as he is saying, is going to destroy that person from among his people, but by virtue of making the choice, you are continuing in sin and destroying yourself. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. This is why we're, look, we're keeping atonement. Because when Father says forever, I believe forever. When Messiah says not one jot or one tittle shall pass till heaven and earth pass, as long as heaven and earth is here, I, I believe what he's saying. So we are here. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. So just we came here. I believe if I remember correctly, when I came, it was still light outside. So that was the ninth day at even. From even unto even. Shall you celebrate your Sabbath? So there's affliction and there's celebration. The celebration, brothers and sisters, is that you have been redeemed. Now imagine you have all of this debt. You have all of this debt and you are carrying a heavy load because of this debt. Someone comes along with a check and says, I've just paid that debt for you. You can't pay your bills. You don't know a way out. The bailiff is at the door. Here is a check. Sin is like that debt. And that debt that you owe is because you have broken the covenant you made with the Father, which is a blood covenant. You enter in un under the understanding that I'm coming into this covenant, a blood covenant, knowing that if I walk in these, I shall have life. If I depart from these, I will experience death. And then Messiah comes and says, I will pay that price for you. This is the celebration aspect of atonement. You don't have to pay for what the things you should have to pay for. Messiah paid it all. You don't have to be delivered unto the tormentors because the Bible says that Yeshua, he took the keys. He has the keys. There is no door which he can't open 
and there is no door which he closes which someone else can open. He has all the keys. He has all authority. He has all power. And he laid down his life for us. This is the celebration of atonement. When you consider Yeshua as the Messiah. When you don't, can't consider Yeshua as the Messiah, what is there to celebrate? Without Yeshua, there is no atonement of sins. Without atonement by Yeshua, there is no entry into the presence of Yehovah, and he desires to tabernacle with the saints forever. And we're closing up here. Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was, there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adjourned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Father's intention from Genesis 1, Genesis 2, all the way to the end of the book in Revelation is for him to have a relationship with his people. The Bible says his voice walked in the garden in the midst of the day. He wants to speak with his creation. He wants to dwell in the midst of his creation. But creation have distanced themselves from him by not keeping his commandments. Don't touch that tree and eat of the fruit. They eat the fruit and they get put out of the garden. But even in that situation, he still desires to dwell with his creation. So you see him talking to his creation. You see him pouring out grace upon his creation through, through Noah. Through Abraham, he wants to bless the earth through his seed. Through Israel, he wants to raise up a nation who will be a kingdom of priests to facilitate this relationship. And that can't take place without remission of sins through Messiah. Although afflicting your souls is part of the command in order to keep the Day of Atonement, we can celebrate our Sabbath Knowing that Yeshua paid a price for the world via his blood. Once and for all, and those who receive him can enter into his presence. Amen. Thank you for fellowshipping with us today. I hope that teaching blessed you. But here is how you can be a blessing to us. By donating a small amount each month, by tithing and giving offerings to House of Israel London, you will help us continue to host and broadcast our services locally and to the world. Thanks to, a, to the faithfulness of a very small number of saints, we are able to hire our venue for weekly feasts, Sabbath and prayer services. 
purchase equipment when us to record and broadcast our teachings, stream services live onto the internet, promote our ministry across the internet, allowing us to be a worldwide witness for Yeshua the Messiah, upload and host teaching videos, podcasts, blog posts, and more on our website. Submit our podcast to iTunes and other global platforms. Answer questions live, by email, or by phone. And there is much more. But our ministry can't continue these services to improve, to grow, to make an impact without your support. If you have been blessed by our ministry, by our weekly and feast Sabbath services, through our online fellowship, by the hundred plus teaching videos, by having your questions answered, through counsel, through prayer, or by the myriad of things not listed above, I invite you to support us. You can donate via our website at www.hoilondon.co.uk forward slash pages forward slash donate. Alternatively, why not call me on 033334474 to discuss other options. Proverbs 3 verse 9 reads, Honour Jehovah with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. If you desire this ministry to bless others as it has blessed you, then start supporting us today. Shalom.